Music marks the times of our lives, reminds us of days gone by, and inspires today's and tomorrow's hits. Hi, I'm Dee Dwayne, and welcome to The Real Deal, spotlighting the best music and the biggest artists of yesterday, providing an insight of just what made them so great. I can't even think of an artist who has inspired so many people all over the world for over 53 years. He's a producer, a writer, an activist, and a visionary. His music has had an obvious impact on today's popular music from rock to hip-hop to R&B and jazz. Stevie Wonder has been credited and mentioned as a major influence not only by many of the pioneers of music, but also quite a few of today's new and upcoming artists as well. He has recorded over 30 top 10 hits and has received 22 Grammy Awards, the most ever awarded to a male solo artist, and has sold over 100 million albums and singles, making him one of the top best-selling artists of all time. Stevie is also noted for his work as an activist for political issues, including his 1980 campaign to make Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday a national holiday. And his music? Well, what can I say? I could play hours of his music and still only scratch the surface. So he's chosen some of the best and most important songs of his career to present to you right here and right now. My name is Dee Dwayne and welcome to The Real Deal's presentation of Stevie Wonder. Stephen Hardaway Morris was born on May 13th 1950 in Saginaw, Michigan, the third of six children to Calvin Judkins and Lula Mae Hardaway. He was born six weeks premature, which along with the oxygen-rich atmosphere in the hospital incubator, resulted a condition in which the growth of his eyes was aborted and caused his redness to detach, causing his blindness. Stevie's lack of sight never hindered him as a child as he would still climb trees, ride bikes, run and play just like the rest of the kids. Stevie's mother left his father and moved the family to Detroit where Stevie began playing instruments at an early age. And I mean any instrument that he can get his hands on, including piano, harmonica, drums, and bass. He formed a singing partnership with a friend calling themselves Stevie and John. They played on street corners and occasionally at parties and dances. In 1961, at age 11, Stevie sang one of his own compositions, Lonely Boy to Ronnie White of the Miracles. Ronnie arranged for an audition and then took Stevie and his mother to Motown. Motown president Barry Gordy was about to be blown away. Barry wanted to see what all the fuss was about this kid. Here's Barry Gordy describing his first encounter with Stevie and how Stevie got his stage name. He had great rhythm, great attitude. I could see he was blind. He was just moving his head and he was playing and going and doing everything and, and uh, it was great you know but I was wondering what's the big deal because I wasn't in the market for drummer but then he left the drums and he started playing the bongos and uh, and he did that and it was okay it was nice and then he of course sung he, he you know I wasn't thrilled with his voice particularly but it was okay he was good and then he went to the harmonica now that impressed me. The name Stevie Wonder came about because people were saying, here's a guy playing the drums, the bongos, the harmonica, and all this stuff, and he was a, a little wonder, a little wonder. And we were, people were calling him a little wonder 
and the name just stuck. Little Stevie Wonder was put in the care of producer and songwriter Clarence Paul, and for a year they worked together on two albums. Both albums were met with little success. At the end of 1962, when Stevie was 12 years old, he joined the Motortown Review. At the Regal Theater in Chicago, his 20-minute performance was recorded and released May of 1963 as the album Recorded Live, The 12-Year-Old Genius. A single, Fingertips, from the album was also released in May and became a major hit. The song was number one on the Billboard Hot 100, making him the youngest artist ever to top that chart. The single was simultaneously number one on the R&B chart, and this was the first time that that had ever occurred. Stevie was on the map with fingertips. My name is Dee Dwayne, and you're listening to The Real Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to do a song taken from my album. Yeah. Yeah.
Now, most of that song wasn't even supposed to happen, but Stevie just couldn't stop playing. <laughs> Don't get him started. Stevie's next few recordings, though, were not successful at all. His voice was changing as he got older, and a few of the executives at Motown were considering canceling his contract. Producer and songwriter Sylvia Moy convinced Barry Gordy to give Stevie another chance. They dropped the word little from his name, and together they wrote uptight, everything's all right.
Stevie was on a roll, and the hits just kept on coming. When asked in the 1968 interview which of his songs stood out in his mind, Stevie answered, I was made to love her, because it's a true song. I was made to love her peaked at number two on the Billboard Pop Singles Chart in July of 1967. You're listening to The Real Deal. Stevie Wonder has always had a great sense of humor and he loved to prank people. He could do a great voice impression of Barry Gordy and at one time he called Barry Gordy's secretary and said in Barry's voice, give Stevie $50,000 in a tape recorder. <laughs> I don't know if he got the money, but Stevie got the tape recorder. Stevie's next hit was not only a song he didn't write, but he also wasn't the first to record and release it. For Once in My Life was a highly successful record peaking at number two on both the Billboard Pop Singles and R&B Singles charts. For once in my life, I have someone who needs 
was originally written about Stevie's girlfriend while he was at the Michigan School for the Blind and had the title, Oh My Marsha. After they broke up, the lyrics and the title were altered to My Sharia More. The song became a number four hit on both the Billboard Pop and R&B singles charts in 1969.
Constantly forging ahead, the now 20-year-old Stevie recorded and produced his first song for Motown. The song would also grant Stevie his first Grammy Award nomination. Signed, sealed, and delivered, I'm Yours spent six weeks at number one on the U.S. R&B chart, but a change was in the air for Stevie and Motown. My name is Dee Dwayne, and you're listening to The Real Deal. In 1970, Stevie co-wrote and played most of the instruments on the hit It's a Shame for fellow Motown artist The Spinners. His contribution was meant to be a showcase of his talent and production abilities as he was on a mission to show Barry Gordy that he was ready to write and produce his own music. You may be familiar with the statement that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, why experiment with a formula that is already proven and very successful? Well, that must have been how Barry Gray felt as Stevie and his music began to evolve, change, and move into new and different areas. So why gamble, right Barry? It was a, a sound which became a Motown sound and, and that worked and it started working. Now, and it was working for Stevie and then when he started departing, then I became scared and I got a lot more to lose now than I had to lose before. And I, I'm not interested in experimenting too much. <laughs> May 13, 1971. 
is Stevie Wonder's 21st birthday. Stevie has a Motown birthday party and that's when he makes his next move. We were in Detroit on his 21st birthday and we had a little party for Stevie and we sat at the table and we were having so much fun. I left there that weekend coming back to California. When I got here, there was a wire from Stevie's attorney disaffirming every contract that he had with Motown. I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting with this man. I, we were having fun and part. Everything was happy, and I know he loved me because he always showed love. We always had love, and this, tele, this wire was there with no fur, nothing. And, um, but it turned out, and I thought, surely, Stevie's leaving the company. He disaffirmed everything, he's 21, now he's going to go out and get bids from all the other companies and he's got to be, he's going to leave the company. I mean, that's, why, uh, why else would he do this without telling me anything? And it just turned out that Stevie was 21 and he wanted to show me that he was 21 now and he wanted a little respect <laughs> and um, he ended up making me pay him $13 million to sign up another whole new contract with him which was unprecedented at the time, but probably one of the best deals I ever made. Nice move, Stevie. Now he really had Barry Gordy's full attention. A lot of people talk about the whole thing of me reaching 21 and everything happened and everything broke and everything this, and I began to rebel. And Really, um, it didn't start at 21. It started really, um, and it starts any time that I get uh, bored with what I'm doing. I just have to say, okay, it's time to do something new, different now. Something new and different. It's about artistic freedom. The freedom to write, produce, record, and release the music you hear and feel inside. Barry Gordy trusted his instincts as well as Stevie and took a $13 million gamble. Stevie got back to work and on October 28, 1972, he released the first of his masterpiece albums, Talking Book. The first single from that album went straight to number one. Here's Superstition. My name is Dee Dwayne, and you're listening to The Real Deal.
Nikki's artistic freedom unlocked a flood of creativity and innovative new music. Talking Book also featured the hit song You Are the Sunshine of My Life, which also peaked at number one. Stevie went on tour with the Rolling Stones and was able to reach a much broader audience. The success of Superstition and You Are the Sunshine of My Life won Stevie three Grammy Awards. Time for another masterpiece. The album Inner Visions was released August of 1973 to critical acclaim and has been noted as one of the best concept albums of our time. The first song released from the album was Higher Ground, which went to number four on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the R&B singles chart. You're listening to The Real Deal.
gone, Stevie. <laughs> My name is Dee Dwayne, and you're listening to The Real Deal as we present the music and the life of Stevie Wonder. Okay, now let's see how much you really know about Stevie. Here are five things that you, as well as I, didn't know about Stevie Wonder. Number one, on his first hit song, Fingertips, guess who was playing the drums? A young Marvin Gaye was on drums on Fingertips. Did you know that? I sure didn't know that. Number two, Stevie performed Superstition on Sesame Street and had the Cookie Monster jamming. <laughs> Number three, according to Little Wayne, Stevie Wonder once told him to shut up at a party. <laughs> Apparently, Stevie was in the middle of a performance at a club when Little Wayne came in talking loud and making all kinds of noise. Little Wayne says he didn't even know that Stevie was performing at the time, but that didn't stop Stevie from stopping the music and yelling at, at Little Wayne and saying, man, be quiet while I'm playing. <laughs> That's true. It really happened. Number four. Ironically, the first song Stevie Wonder ever learned how to play was Three Blind Mice. Isn't that the first song that everybody learns how to play? Number five. Along with Hank Cosby, Stevie wrote Tears of a Clown and gave the song to Smokey Robinson, who wrote the lyrics. You probably knew that one, huh? Mm -hmm. Well, here's a bonus one for you. Number six. Stevie Wonder, guess what? You're not going to believe this. Stevie Wonder loves to ski. It's true. It's true. You heard it right here on The Real Deal. In getting back to the program, three days after the release of Inner Visions, Stevie played a concert in Greenville, South Carolina. On the way back, just outside of Durham, North Carolina, Stevie was asleep in the front of a car driven by his friend John Harris when they were involved in a very serious car accident. Stevie was unconscious when he was pulled from the wrecked car, and for four days he laid in a coma caused by a severe brain contusion. Thankfully, and with a lot of therapy, medication, and prayers, Stevie recovered and slowly began to play music again. This experience, although painful and difficult, seemed to heighten and enhance his musical awareness and instinct. Inner Visions generated three more Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year. The album fulfilling this first finale appeared in July of 1974 and set two hits high on the pop charts. The number one, You Haven't Done Nothing, and the top ten, Boogie On Reggae Woman. The Album of the Year was again one of the three Grammys Stevie won. Songs in the Key of Life was Stevie Wonder's 18th album and was released on September 28, 1976. The album became among the best-selling and most critically acclaimed albums of his career. It was preserved into the National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress where it was regarded as culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. One of the major hits from that album, here's I Wish.
most definitely a family man. Stevie has a large family and he's also a grandfather. His daughter Aisha's birth not only inspired him personally and musically, but she also was the inspiration for the song, Isn't She Lovely? Aisha continues to tour and record with Stevie from time to time. My name is Dee Dwayne, and you're listening to The Real Deal. Stevie has been honored greatly in his life as he keeps his greater purpose in crystal clear focus. Uh, but even more than honored, I feel again an even greater purpose to continue what I have done for the amount of time that I've done it. To do it to the best of my ability for the rest of my life. A lifetime of great music that will last forever. And yeah, Stevie, we feel the love.
I hope that it's because they can feel the love in my music. My love for them, my love for life, and my optimism. In 1985, Stevie released the In Square Circle album, his 20th, on which he won the Grammy Award for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance. The album also featured the hit, Part-Time Lover. Wonder has won 22 Grammy Awards 
as well as a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1996. He has been given a wide range of awards for his music and for his civil rights work, including induction in the Songwriters and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and gaining a Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Civil Rights Museum. He was also named one of the United Nations Messengers of Peace. In 2009, he became the second recipient of the Library of Congress's Gershwin Prize for Pop Music, honored by President Barack Obama at the White House. But it's not all about the awards and honors that he receives, and although he continues to record and perform, spends as much time as he can with his family, and still does occasional appearances and guest performances, Stevie enjoys sharing his gift of music, peace, and love with the world, and he inspires us to do the same. He inspires us to do what we can to be a blessing to the people around us and help make the world a better place for all of us. And then, of course, it's his music, which continues to cross all boundaries, all cultures throughout the world. And that makes Stevie Wonder the real deal. The Real Deal is produced by Melody Productions, and we welcome your comments and ideas for future shows. Hit me up at the D Man, that's the D, M as in Mary, A as in Apple, N as in Nancy, N as in Nancy, the D Man, 524 at hotmail.com, and I'll hit you right back. Always keep it real, and thanks again for listening to The Real Deal.